एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट we meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country and we want to learn how to build a unicorn this is the second part of akshay's conversation with praptej in the first part they spoke about praptej's journey of building india's coolest craft beer brand simba you may want to hear that episode first in this part of the conversation praptej talks about the fintech revolution that india is experiencing and how his venture falcon is selling shovels in the gold rush falcon is a middleware company that helps fintechs to connect with banks and start offering a variety of instruments to their customers within a few hours think of the revolution brought out by the payment infrastructure companies like stripe and razorpay falcon is bringing in the next generation revolution in this space listen on to this masterclass on fintech space in india so now let's talk about the journey to building a fintech and so how did that happen these are so poles apart i went to high school in delhi and priyanka and i both used to carpool together because we used to live in the same part in fact you also lived in the same part of delhi so we used to carpool together to sona road which is about an hour and a half away from where we are and all we could speak about was building something together and different ideas came and a lot of time and our parents convinced us to go to college which was a good thing i guess because priyanka got into yale <laughs> for her undergrad and she's a smart one in the team obviously we used to carpool together to school all we could speak about was business and i'll tell you the a very funny thing we actually wanted to get into something that was completely unregulated because we had the belief that something that is unregulated would give would actually give you the most growth and we will be able to scale up very fast which is true but every time we got into a conversation we started thinking about things we ended up in a space which was in financial services because that is where i think both priyanka and i we both were very interested in the space and we felt that there's so much that can be done in general and with the advent of tech at the time and it was back in 2008 9 while we were doing this and uh, and that was with the advent of tech a lot of things would change and we could speed up completely change the way people are uh, doing things this build digital native products and things like that but we definitely wanted to be in a space that was not regulated and now we've ended up in a space that's i think probably the most regulated but that's one of those contradictions in life but what that's great and what we did with falcon primarily is we we realized in fact prior to this we were building a b2c product called kite and we had to yeah but what was that for like tell me about that first like what was the idea there that you started with so it's very similar to what we do here but it's just serving a different kind of audience so basically what we did at kite was we built a commercial payments platform right so we realized that most businesses in india don't have the right tools or payment products to scale like for example they so much so that i think less than half percent of the businesses in the country have a credit card and we realized that while these most of the companies in india get funded by banks so that was like the primary source of funding for them nbfc's bank but almost no one got a credit card and we realized that that was a huge problem to have and obviously in india unless you're a bank you can't issue credit cards or you can't issue cards at all and so we built this we built a relationship with multiple banks and we convinced them we started building our own tech and then we started convincing them uh, sold them on our ideas they were also receptive but then the time it takes from going from the first meeting to then launching at least a 18 month journey provided everything is going in your direction so like what you built was like a digital a distribution platform for issuing cards and at the back end you had a bank partnership the bank would actually issue the card and all that but yeah like say a policy bazaar issues insurance policies but it's essential so they are they are largely a sales platform lead generation platform we actually built the entire product so we gave an app to the company we gave them controls that they never had so the company would sit on a we would give them a platform where they would just log in and can manage like the entire payment space that the company has they want to issue cards to their senior employees they want to issue a card to a digital marketing team and sitting at the comfort of their desk they would be able to control where each one of them is allowed to spend they can set policies 
they can set the days it should be off, the use cases, but digital marketing card would only be used on online, right? The card that is given, given to a pune cannot be used at a jewelry store, for instance. And all of that, they could just sit on, your, uh, on their laptop in the head office and could turn off, turn on, as simple as that. So we did not change the medium that the customer would use to, for the end pay, but we changed everything that was in the middle. So we built this middleware, we a very powerful engine that allowed for all of this to happen. And that only could have happened if we had an integration at a level that nobody else could offer with the bank. Because you're talking about really controlling the end use case. How Stripe has built the acquiring side of businesses, right? Where any payment gateway in the world largely is around uh, or us, what Stripe is doing. So the whole conversation is there. So we are trying to build something on the issue inside of it. So while they really able to, they were able to solve the problem on the acquiring side, the issuance side is equal amount of opportunity that's there. Okay, but this you figured later. Like your initial approach was acquiring side. Like you would go to SMBs and these and startups and offer them a credit card, like a virtual credit card, or was it like an actual plastic card? No, no. So it was virtual as well as plastic. So they, they would choose, they could choose. So the thing was that when you were saying acquiring, actually I was talking more from the payments industry terminology. So acquiring side on the payment or payment industry means the payment gateway side, which is where Stripe is. And, and then there's the issuance side, where the people who are issuing the card. So even if you were serving the SMBs, we were on the issuance side of the business. You were on the issuance side. Okay, I understand. And I think uh, we built this engine. Like some more questions on how you launched it, like that initial launch journey. Tell me about that. Now, like which bank did you tie up with? How did you do your customer acquisition? What was the customer onboarding process like? Who took care of things like risk underwriting? Like to issue a credit card, that risk underwriting is an important process. So tell me about those nuts and bolts. Now. Like I guess by now you would have figured out I, I love details. Lovely. So basically, I think we actually crafted the entire journey where the customer onboarding process, obviously there are defined rules and guidelines. And that is where we were. We were going out in the market. Our team was taking documents, taking to the bank. We tied up with RBL Bank and then Punjab National Bank, which is the second largest public sector bank in the country. And these guys were sitting on a mountain of companies that they used to fund, but basically has a non-existent credit card business or a card business. They're completely shut out to this. And they were, you know, we realized that most banks don't even realize that they're going to be disrupted. Like they're going about their lives, giving out loans and have an excellent distribution. The kind of trust they have with people, I have not seen it across industries. Right? Because people are trusting them with their money, with their livelihoods. And they just didn't know what to do with all of that. And I think it's also the way, because the way they're structured, they're not tuned to be uh, innovative. So they tend to be... Their job is risk management, basically. Yeah. And they're, very, very, and they're there for in a position for three years, two years. And building a digital initiative is not a two-year, three-year job. It has to be very consistent with the larger vision of the bank that everything is going to be digital. And therefore, I think they missed the whole payments piece in the earlier game, B2C, where we were also, we were B2B, but more from the SME side. But we realized, and I think we were building that very well with these banks, we are going about getting business also. But I think the one thing... How did you acquire customers? Like digital marketing? Or like, did you have salespeople? Like the SMEs to whom you were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had salespeople on the ground. And we were getting a lot of good business also. And I think one of the things that started happening, that the businesses were coming, they were all keen on something like this. But a lot of times the banks would not underwrite because you were not in the business of underwriting. You were in the business of getting them the leads and qualified leads. In fact, to the extent that these were companies that the banks had given out loans. Okay, like banks banks would share their list of customers with you to target like... Yeah, yeah. So they were comfortable lending to these guys, but they were not comfortable giving them credit cards. They were happy giving them $15 million loans, but not a 15,000 worth credit card, primarily because the banks worked in silos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the credit card department is different. And, right. Mm. And it's seen as an unsecured product and things like that. So we realized that there was a larger problem at hand that we had. And uh, we, while we could solve for those problems, it would have been a much longer journey. We were getting a lot of in, inbound interest. A lot of customers wanted the product. And then we tied up with Yes Bank also, where we launched these products. And one of the things that happened was this after we did this integration, the bank started coming to us and said, yeah, this is another startup that wants to tie up with us. They have this use case that they want to go after farmers. 
to give out card so this in, not just credit cards in general because we do a also integration with the bank and uh, they would can you allow them to ride on your tech because we've already spent almost a year integrating with you the tech we've seen with you is one of the best in the best in class and we do not have the bandwidth to integrate with every startup that comes through our doors because there are more than 2000 startups we know 5 or 10 of them are going to become huge but we don't know which ones and we do not have the bandwidth and we realize that there is a real opportunity at hand here so while both priyanka and i had built this amazing platform and we it took us years like it took us 3 to 4 years of very hard work building the team everything and doing the ropes from ground up and we also since we come from that traditional mindset business mindset that we did not want to build one could not that does not scale at that pace that you want and second it's not it should not be too much of a cash burn we don't believe in too much of a cash burn as something that we don't think that we are good at personally and there was this bunch of amazing companies we just said that we wanted to speak to these companies we spoke to them and we realized that these guys are each one of those companies is doing a fabulous job at what they're trying to the larger mission is great whether they end up achieving it or not is irrelevant the fact that these guys are trying and they've built an amazing product around it an amazing team around it so we both priyanka and i sat down and we realized that why can't we actually do what we are good at we built this entire amazing middleware right that allows for so much freedom and that was primarily built for our own product but why can't we leverage this and allow others to do it it was kind of a aws moment for us in a much smaller way but it was that kind of moment that we built this amazing engine and can we allow these companies which year was this like when did you like start thinking of just last year okay 2020 and by 2020 what scale was kite at like how many cards had you issued and like what metrics were you tracking for kite the thing is the thing is that it took us two two and a half years to build the product and get the in- integrations and all of that and so earlier it was not very hel- very high numbers it was a couple of like 70 80 crores a year but it was still fine like the what 70 80 crore of what is this transactions transactions okay okay number of transactions through cards that you issued so it was good but it was not great but it was picking up very fast but we realized that the end getting each customer one by one who are non tech to then train them it was a really uphill task for something somebody like us and your earning was like for the kite business first before we come to the, the falcon business i just want to ask more about kite so in kite your earning was like that that mdr the merchant discount rate yeah exactly which so some interchange so that's what 2% interchange okay so some percentage of that would be shared with you by the bank yeah a large percentage of that would be shared with us by the bank if the bank was taking a risk if it was a credit card so there were two products one was a prepaid card and the other was a credit card so if bank was taking the risk then they would keep a higher share but if ba- the bank was not taking a risk they would actually pass on 95% to us okay 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 i'm guessing that prepaid card business would have been like happy also had that prepaid card exactly and yeah. so obviously we had different kinds of products but if you have to put it in the largest sphere that was where it was and which was a bigger business for you credit card or prepaid so they're both growing very fantastically obviously pre- prepaid we launched first credit card it was not picking up because the banks were really slow in taking the credit call okay approval risk that approval was not okay 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 so there was far more demand for it but we realized that the banks were not really up to it in that sense they were not able to take those calls very fast okay the credit card business would have been like what kodo does today i guess yeah you've heard of kodo yeah sort of yes yes so sort of that but not necessarily meant for just startups it was meant for anybody any business mm-hmm. that was something that we did then you know what the whole moment of reckoning came for us where we started meeting these companies amazing companies that were doing some amazing work and we realized that we built something great in hand because we everything that they needed our engine was ready to provide we had already built the journeys in terms of digital kyc the most customer friendly processes that are possible legally were built in our system and that was largely built for our own use and the banks were coming to us and then we realized that are we really sitting on something that's so many people and so many tech men these were companies that did not need convincing of the product they in fact came in to buy those products and the only thing we did was they also realized this that we said that there are two big problems when you in the fintech industry today and largely they are that you have to one the time it takes to integrate 
with a, the bank has limited bandwidth it has a lot of approval process and you may end up spending a lot of time with the bank and realizing that they're not keen on working with you at all sooner or later that happens with the bank right and the whole business that you are betting your time and money and resources on goes out for a toss and then the second piece is building this entire engine that will allow you to do what you want right so you have to build it at your end because you can only integrate with the bank for basics everything else you have to build the use cases that you want to make and the third is the distribution to the customer and your value proposition as a product and these are all three too high mountains to climb at once and a lot of startups a lot of fintechs would actually not see the light of day due to this so they would get demotivated and the larger purpose of these businesses was far more important so we actually realized that both priyanka and i were sitting on sort of a gold mine where it was not from a money point of view it was largely from the enablement point of view because i think the one thing that both priyanka and i shared and the vision that we know or the common thing that the common belief we have is that every company is going to become a fintech company it's something that mark anderson said right that every company is going to become a fintech company and we could not agree more like even the biggest tech companies d2c companies poultry companies dairy companies you name it they are all eventually going to be in a position to monetize that data and the way they'll be able to do it is in the fintech world so even if you are a zomato now you see they've come out with their own nbfc license right because they're realizing whether or not they make their money in the primary business fintech is where they can actually monetize it and actually bring their offering closer to the customer and become completely irreplaceable to the customer like zomato's nbfc license is for like lending to restaurants is it no lending to customers bnpl okay 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 got it so they are they are sitting on mountains of data about you they know what the size of your family is they know where you work they know where you where your house is they know your preferences and they know how you've been paying so they've been able to build a profile around you and the and how can they make your life easier by making that entire play and so we what we did is that we thought that okay let's try enabling our platform for others and in that journey we realized that what are the kind of things that we want to do ourselves and so that's when the seeds of falcon were sown in the sense that we only moved away our focus from b2c to b2b the engine is the same we're just tuning it more for others to connect with us earlier it was meant for smes now it's meant for other tech companies but the engine core core engine is what we were really working on and and since we are the latest we're also the most liberal because we were not built with older rules due to covid there's been a lot of change in terms of openness from the banks so we actually have a lot of liberty at hand which most other platforms won't have and every other platform will take at least a year to build it minimum provided everything they they need has gone their direction like just to recap my understanding of falcon so essentially the way stripe is something which an e-commerce company can just easily integrate and start accepting digital payments falcon is a way for a startup to start issuing cards is that right it could be prepaid card it could be credit card either of the two depending on what the bank and the startup are agreeing on but issuing cards is what falcon enables like the way stripe enables accepting payments falcon enables issuing of cards Yeah, we enable not just uh, tech companies. We enable banks, NBFCs, and startups, each one, to launch any payment or lending product using our open APIs and no-code solutions. So I'll actually kind of expand on that going forward. Yeah, what the, I think the be- most beautiful part about thing that we do is we actually help companies get revenue. So what we've done, you are aware of the NBFCs of the country, and NBFCs are non-banking financial lending institutions. They're not banks, but they lend. and yeah, they can't take deposits huh? they can't take deposits there are some that can take deposits but they're not banks per se but these nbfcs are amazing at distribution and but their cost of capital is high right so they they usually fund the kind of use cases that a bank would normally not fund or they would use they would fund a certain use case so fast that the bank could never reach that speed or scale and we've seen amazing examples come out of it bajaj finance is more the as per market cap they're much larger than most banks like i think one or except one or two banks in the country they're larger than every other bank in terms of market cap and they built an amazing solution 
So despite being a NBFC, which means higher cost of capital, not issuing a bank account, not controlling a customer's deposits, or not being able to get that kind of data into a customer's profiling, they're able to build a business that is so scalable. And they've managed to you know, surpass, I think they're, they're in the top three in terms of financial services in the country. And the only two who are bigger are the biggest banks in India. And doing something like, but most NBFCs face this problem. There are three problems they face. One is the cost of capital. Second is the, the fact that they, once they disperse into a person's account, they have no access to that data whatsoever because they've disbursed it into a third-party account, a bank account. Yeah, they can't see how it's getting spent. Huh. Third, Every time they want to give out a loan, they have to do that process over and over again. So the whole consumer onboarding journey is extremely difficult, which means that below a certain price or below, let's say, a certain size of loan, it is not viable for them to give out loans. Or even if it is viable, it has to be at a very high interest. So while we are building this, a lot of tech companies are coming to us and I'm going to talk to them, talk to you about that as well. But a lot of these NBSCs are coming up. Now, digital lending startups are coming up. There are a lot of these... NBSCs that are coming to us and saying that we would love to use something like yeah. that you guys do. We are great at distribution. We already have a million customers, for instance. We give out loans for these small businesses, SMEs. But what we don't have is the tech or the know-how to issue cards. And we are actually now helping a lot of NBFCs and microfinance institutions, which is something that's extremely close to both Priyanka and my heart. Priyanka actually worked for one of the largest microfinance institutions, the Grameen Foundation, that works in microfinance for some time. It should work there, right? So it's close to both of our hearts. And both these sets of customers, the microfinance companies and NBFCs, they've come to us. Now they want to issue cards and start dispersing loan on cards to these people. So these are prepaid cards, but they're giving out loans on it. So it's essentially a credit card. It's just that from a terminology per se, we can't say call it a credit card, It's but it is a credit for all its practical purposes for the customer. Like it... it if you are approved for a loan of 10 lakhs, then you would get a card in which you can spend up to 10 lakhs. That account need not have 10 lakhs lying there idle. But exactly. So that uh, cost of money also comes down because that in NBFC doesn't have to... So they're able to optimize their liquidity. Yeah, they don't have to give that entire... They don't have to do a bank transfer of 10 lakhs to a customer. They just give him a card and tell him, here you go, 10 lakhs. And he can spend as he wishes or he can withdraw from an ATM if he wants to. Absolutely. Okay, amazing, amazing. Okay. So, and even actually, if he wants, he can pull it into his bank account also from the app that we give them. So basically what we do is uh, these NBFCs now give out loans on these cards. Now they're able to actually get far more intelligent data as to where this person is going, how he's spending and what is he spending on. And they're able to build their engines more attuned to that. They're able to optimize liquidity, right? And since we actually share a large part of that interchange that we get, MDR, that we get, we actually should pass it on to the NBFC. So they're able to reduce their cost of funds by up to 2%. And that's one of the one thing that makes them competitive, far more competitive than they would ever imagine to be. And all of this is not happening at the cost of the consumer. The customer is not paying for this. And that's amazing because uh, you're able to now build a product that was unlike and unheard of. Look at BNPL, right? Like you give out these cards. And the customer, if he pays back within a month, doesn't even need to pay interest on it. It's one of the most phenomenal products out there. And it was controlled by a bunch of bankers for the longest time. And they were not letting it out in the open public. Today, with the solution that we built, we are democratizing that. Any company, any startup in this country wants to issue cards, wants to issue, give out BNPL cards, wants to issue loan on cards, you just go ahead and do it. As long as you're sure of recovery, you can actually give out interest-free cards to that extent because we are giving you an interchange if you're able to get the money back in from the customer within a month it'll actually be very, very viable as a business proposition because you're still earning on transaction exactly and you know this is something that has taken the whole microfinance institutions the uh, NVFCs by storm and we know that the moment one one of these programs scale There'll be a barrage of these NBFCs and microfinance institutions wanting to do this. And that's where we realize that's the biggest opportunity because these NBFCs, these microfinancial institutions, microfinance institutions are actually serving the underserved. They are serving the people that nobody would want to give out loans to. And they've built their expertise there. And if you help them lower their cost of fund, which eventually translates into lower costs for the end customer, it's a game changer. And it's basically a life changer for these people. Now, these people are dependent on these loans for survival. When we you know, initially, Priyanka and I were building something that was very novel, but the moment something like this came forward, we realized that 
it is going to be brutal on our part and ruthless on our part to not allow the world or, or delay this access to the world, to the Indian financial ecosystem. It will be very wrong. And, and it was like largely coming from that emotional point of view, more from a business side. Because we realize that business can be made. Both of us understand business. So we can make business. We can make products. So we understand that part. But this level of impact cannot go unwatched. And we have to make this happen. And if we don't, somebody else will. And that may be one year later, but that's another year of pain for these customers. So we actually went all in. We even changed our strategy. We said that, why are we trying to get one SME at a time, which will, be, which will bring some scale? Why not? allow access to of our technology to all of these companies that already have amazing distribution out there and let them do what they do best and let's do what we do best. So I was going to come back on the tech platform where what we've done is we built two sets of solutions because there's two sets of companies that are largely coming to us. One that are tech first companies. So you know, fintech startups, tech startups that understand. So there are fintech startups, then there are tech startups and then there are regular financial institutions and then there are regular companies. Yeah, NBSCs and microfinance institutions. And each one of them uh, would be falling under two buckets. One, that if they understand tech, they would want their own native API apps and they would build their own journeys, which they're great at. Because these tech companies and these fintech companies are, and understand that, right? So we have our open APIs and SDKs that we allow them to use. And they can then integrate those into their product. And it's as if we're not even there. The whole experience would be. Right, the customer would not even know that Falcon exists in the backend, and then there are companies like uh, so. Th that service is basically like the pipe from the bank to the customer. That that pipe you are powering. Exactly, we are a, we are a middleware, yeah. and the entire engine also. So what we do, we take these tech companies to banks. They approve of these products, and in matter of weeks, not even months, in matter of weeks, they can go live and start testing. And these companies have to experiment a lot. Every day, every week, they need to take out a new product or a new experimentation to do something like that. And with a bank, unfortunately, that cannot happen. And yeah. I feel for the banks also because there are 1,000 fintechs that are approaching them. They don't know which ones will succeed. They don't have the bandwidth to have such a huge manpower dealing with these companies. They are actually in a much better position. They're like, they, they told us, in fact, the banks have actually first told us that why don't you go live with these guys? You take them live on your platform. We're happy to, and uh, we realize that's a huge opportunity for us where we can actually allow these companies to build amazing financial products without reducing their go-to-market time by up to 95%. And when I'm talking about 95%, I'm talking about going from 18 months to a month. That's crazy in terms of any metric. And so if you're able to do that, it's a quantum jump for these customers, for these fintech, because they're able to do what they do best. They're able to build these journeys for their customers and by not focusing on things that are logistical in nature, that are big, because that is where a lot of their time and effort goes, unfortunately. So we actually tell them, why don't you focus on your business? Why don't you focus on your customers? Why don't you focus on your journey and your value addition? These are all commoditized things. Like you, don't worry about it. You use our engine. Right. Like like payment gateway. Like they, nobody needs to build a payment gateway today. They, they can just do a integration. Few API integrations and that's done. Right. Few lines of code and you're good to go. So sim something similar like that. And then... So that's for fintechs. The other segments? The tech also, there are different types of tech companies, but some of them are happy to... So there is these open API solutions and then there is this no-code solution is a completely white-labeled platform. You don't have to write a single line of code. We discuss with you the entire user journey and we give you a product with your branding. We give you a white-labeled product, you just go live with it. Like say Amazon telling its customers that get an Amazon co-branded credit card. So that could be something that Amazon could use Falcon for. Exactly. All these NBFCs all the, don't have the apps, they don't have the and tech wherewithal, but they're very good with distribution. So we actually give them a portal, we give them an app for the customer, That's a, and the customer feels actually that NBFC's app. For example, Chola Mandalam, they feel like it's the Chola Mandalam app, so they didn't have to do anything, just do their branding on it, and everything else is taken care of from our APIs and our integration in the backend. So we give them these apps ready to use. What we are doing is we are enabling FinTech at a pace and level where things are going from months or years down to minutes and days and how we managed to get here. But we actually took a lot of calls where we felt that one, we are not the best in the world at everything. We cannot be. So let's pick our battles. Let's see where the maximum amount of value addition that can be done from our side to the customer. You know, we've realized that we cannot be the 
wasted everything in the world. We don't intend on. And we believe in partnering up with the right companies to do that. So, for example, payment processing is an area which has been really difficult. And the uh, FIS is actually has global 70% global market share in that. I, what is FIS? It's a like a payment gateway company? What is it? No, FIS is a global payments processing company. They're a global payments processor. They're a multi-billion dollar company. So, most banks actually... What does this mean, payment processor? How is this different from payment gateway? Like, just help me understand what is this payment processing? So basically what happens is payment processing is basically the moment a transaction happens, right? So there is a processing engine. So basically the, the moment a person swipes the card, that pay, that call then comes to a payment processor via the network. So it goes to the network, the ne network hits the API of the payment processor and it has to have a less than, you know, a few milliseconds it has to respond. And that engine has to be very active and fast in terms of responding. And that's what, that's what FIS does. They respond. And on back of FIS, we are sitting and the bank is sitting where they're, we are built on it, on their platform. So they're able to quickly see whether to approve this transaction or not and make sure that they have the right ledgers. So the moment that transaction is passed, they actually, there's an exchange of ledger that happens between the two systems. That this will, uh, that, so that for recon and SOR, the statement of records, it's there for, for recon later. So that's where processing engine is used. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. Got it. Got it. And, and FIS would be charging on a per-transaction basis. Like. Yeah, yeah. So they used to also be charging on a CAPEX model where you could buy the engine. But they've recently, I think looking at the competition in the market and looking at the global landscape changing, they've actually changed that and they're actually helping us build. They built a business model around companies that would serve us because we are not in the CAPEX business. So we actually took an OPEX model from them rather than a CAPEX. So that really helped us. And so this is what you provide to NBFCs, FinTechs? So, you know, this is something that is lying in the back end. So processing is a very tedious. If I have to build my own processing engine, it will require at least a thousand minutes just doing that. And we as a company realize that it's not necessary. We are not really in the business of doing processing primarily. Making sure that if the processing engine was broken, then we would have done it. But it's not broken. It's only a matter of few bips per transaction. But they're the best in the world at it. So why even bother? Is your customer's life going to change if you are able to charge them a few bips lesser? Not really. Right. By bips, you mean basis points, like, like which is one hundredth of a percentage. Exactly. A few bips will not change a customer's life. However, what will change a customer's life is the time it takes for them to, that the systems are up and running. So because these companies are going to run at scale. So you would need to build a, you need to have a processing engine. You need to have your engines being running at that pace with that where they can handle thousands of transactions in a second. And we realized that the FIS has already been doing that. So let them do that processing. We are building this middleware where it allows all of these user journeys and all of these other use cases working at that same scale and speed that can respond. So we did not do the processing engine. We built the middleware and we really added the journeys and the products for the end customer, for the, the tech companies and these companies that would actually make sure that the product is live at all times. And they're able to scale their business without worrying that Falcon down to near. That's the common worry that people would face. And at the moment you'd go to banks anywhere in the world, they would actually, it's like we're in the middle of closing a middle, very large Middle Eastern bank right now. And we did not even have to convince them of our capabilities because we were walking in the door with FIS. So what is your proposition to a bank? Like a bank is also a customer for you, right? Like you've told me the proposition. They have one key stakeholder. Banks help issue cards, right? All of these fintech companies are their customers because they keep deposits with them. All of that money that's flowing is actually flowing to the bank's pipelines. But they do not have the tech capability or the know-how. Indian banks still do to some extent, to a little extent. The global banks don't even do that because they're all dependent on Indian systems in the back end. So they don't actually have a tech team in-house at all. While they want to help these fintechs that are uh, being built in their countries, they want to help these tech companies issue cards. They want to help a lot of these use cases to happen. But it's just not possible for them because they don't have the bandwidth or, or the know-how to understand their language. And they do, they're very scared that if there is something that the startup wants, that's a little bit out of line from what I expect. The whole world will come crashing down for them. And they don't want that. 
So for a bank, you make them uh, like you build the pipe to the fintech for the bank, basically. Exactly. So we help all of and subsequently all of that business then flows to the bank because these startups will get funded. So that funding will also be parked. All these startups are going to have holdings, have going to have millions of customers sooner or later. All of that money is also being kept at your bank because you are the key bank that's supporting all of this. And, and there are some banks that take the lead in this category and become the leaders in the whole system then. So for example, RBL Bank control almost 80% of the digital banking in the country today. In the sense of the fintech business. And they basically grew on back of that without having a single bank branch, additional bank branch supporting them. And, and that's crazy for them because at scale, that is what really matters for these companies. How can they scale without all these costs being built in? In fact, our CBO that has just joined us was the guy who we used to deal with at RBL Bank when he first went there. And that's where we met him. And then after a couple of years, we felt that now that we are in a position like this and he built the entire fintech department or the digital banking department at that bank, he's now a CBO. So he's connected to probably all the startups and all the banks and all the digital banking professionals in this country in a phone call. He, we've just recently hired him in November only. He's joined us, I think November and December he joined us. And that's actually being, that's helping us a lot in our journey because obviously banks also want to talk to somebody who understands banking. So most, one of the problems that startups face is that when you go to the banks, you that you don't understand our side of the problem. So when you have another banker sitting across the table and explaining to them, then they also actually take it with a, they understand that, okay, you understand their pain and then, you know, so it's actually helps them. So we see that, a lot of that happening now for us. And you also said large corporates is one of your customer base or stakeholders. What is the proposition for large corporates? Yeah, you know, large FMCG company, basically, yeah. they now want to issue cards to all their retailers in the country. And they want... Like a BNPL card so that they can easily place order. That will eventually turn into a BNPL card. Today, they want to give those cards based on the schemes. So let's say, for example, the all the retailers that do X amount of sale in that particular festive month, they'll give them X amount directly into their card. So no hassle of this recon or whatever. So instant gratification. If you sell these many goods during the festival, during Diwali, we'll send you this 10,000 bucks like that. Right? In fact, one of the large platform, I'll actually now come to my favorite, one of the favorite use cases that we've built so far. And that has really, it actually helps. I'll, I'll now maybe come to four sets of case studies. I think that is where I should have started. But there are these four case studies that I'll talk to you about. And... Uh, this will primarily, I think, under, make you understand the power of our platform and that what we're doing. So one of them is Tanzo, right? So what we're do, doing with Tanzo is, Tanzo has all of these riders around town that are doing, that they're to do, run your errands and complete tasks. So now the moment a customer, let's say, orders something from H&M or wants something picked from a mall, the person goes to the mall, he sends you a message saying that the goods you asked for is worth, let's say, 2,000 rupees. Instantly, you get a payment link from Dunzo, saying that to pay that amount. And the moment you pay, Dunzo will actually get that amount settled in two, day, two days later. So what was happening prior to Falcon was Dunzo would actually give cash advances to all these drivers to complete these tasks. Because these are higher end tasks where they take a lot of amount. And uh, these are, so Dunzo would actually spend, uh, and a lot of times what would happen is a lot of these drivers would take that money and like go off for a couple of days. So they don't, they won't even do tasks and they had to balance this in somehow because they were in the primary, primarily they were in the business of completing tasks and they were getting a, into a lot of this loss that they were facing because of the attrition and uh, drivers not uh, doing tasks and they wanted to build the right motivation incentive structure. So where we came in was that at the moment that particular transaction got closed, the customer paid that money to Dunzo. Dunzo's API would hit us and we would unlock that driver's card that is at that store to, to the tune of, let's say, 2,000 rupees, that amount that the customer paid, only for 10 minutes. So only, and the moment that person would transact, would transact, like the moment that person would swipe, that money will go back to Dunzo. And so basically what happens is now, two days later, when Dunzo's money comes, they actually settle with an NBFC partner of Alpine. So what we did here, was that Dunzo, which was earlier out of pocket, now we built in a mechanism where two days later, the NBFC is very happy that they got a real-time collateral on the receivable of Dunzo that you just paid as a customer. That became a real-time collateral. Using that collateral, that particular driver's card got unblocked for two minutes or 10 minutes. The moment the transaction is done, the card is again. So in that way, we are able to 
we were able to scale a business for Dunzo without them being out of pocket, got an NBFC that would get a share of that interchange for them. That would be amazing for that uh, company, for the NBFC, because they're able to now lend. So this NBFC would have never thought of lending in doing a digital lending of this sort, ever. But it was only because of the power of our platform that they could get real-time data, real-time collateral, and an access to refund in such a secure manner that they're extremely happy and they're almost... And so we are now just scaling up that program. So this is something that was not possible. And we actually solved a case for the end driver, the customer, Dunzo, all of them kind of win-win for everyone. The second case study is about a company that is now wanting to give out cards to these creators, the digital creators, influencers. So earlier, this market was again cornered for very large influencers who would primarily charge like whoever maybe upwards of 100,000 followers, charge a bomb and uh, you know that. But now there's this whole scene that's evolving, which a lot of nano, micro, mini influencers that have come about that are creating their niche. And this, com this company actually is a platform for them that are wanting to issue cards to all of these influencers and now want to give out cards to these influencers for to basically for these influencers to first purchase these products. And once they're able to get delivery of the product, they should post about this product on or whatever social media platform. And based on the reviews that they get and the analytics of that particular post, they'll get the brands usually give them a cashback that ranges from 30% to 500% of the product value. Right. Now imagine a earlier, these brands would have been very because so these people would just post about it with may not even really purchase the product, maybe re, uh, return it later. So this is not something that product they, they want, right? They want them to use these products on a continuous basis because they're not these very large influencers that are just celebrities. These are people that are end users and they want to make sure that they are buying the product and actually using it also. And they want to actually incentivize the end user in that way. And now, because of the platform that we have provided, they'll be able to actually manage the financial part of it, where they'll be able to keep a check on these influencers, whether they bought the product and that they did not return that product. Because even if they returned, they actually would, that money would actually come back to the same source, the card source. So all of that can journey is now being built on top of our platform for these people. Yeah, basically it's frictionless now. Yeah, it's completely frictionless and it's foolproof in that sense. Right? There are no loopholes that people would use. And this is a huge program that they're talking about almost uh, 2 million influencers across the country. So this is in, in this digital economy, there's uh, digital creators that are new age. They're getting a re new revenue source that would otherwise never been able to do that. This is the second case study where we are enabling all of that because and because of our card, because the real-time controls on the card, the platform is able to view these people, how, when they funded it, how they got the product, how long did it take for them to post it. So, you know, they're able to build real-time analytics around how did the post, they also have webhooks in all these social media platforms to understand how the particular post is performing. So, they built in a, they're building a holistic solution for these companies. And even those cashbacks will actually come in the form of, in the card only for them. So, this part then becomes that. And like micropayments can start happening, like on a daily basis, you can settle and stuff like that. Exactly. And these cards are now primarily for, they'll also have their Instagram handle They'll have almost no branding of any bank or anything on there. It'll be just their name and like that. This is a really cool card, right? And then that, and as you become like really hot in terms of the influencer size, you actually end up getting a platinum or a black card like you would get, get in a Amex. And all of this now being given to you, not by a bank or a large company, by a company that you trust, that is building business for you, that is helping you build your business. So that's another, another change of uh, completely, that's a quantum leap for what used to happen before. And we're allowing for all of the use cases to come out. The third is, of course, I spoke to you about the whole NBFC case and the MFI. So that, that is game changing because that's very close to both Priyanka and my heart. The fourth is actually, there's this logistics company, right? That almost has 100,000 drivers on their platform, like commercial vehicle drivers and commercial vehicles. And they are now wanting to not just give all these drivers a card. Also, the fast tag on their truck is on our platform, like using our platform and they're able to they're able to actually fund those platforms those depending on the journey that they've given them given these drivers on the route that they've sent it they put they, they fund these so we give them a single platform where they're able to look at all these hundred thousand trucks that they have seventy thousand to hundred thousand trucks that they have and they're able to real-time fund it there's a common pooled account the money will actually take be taken from that pooled account rather from an individual vehicle level right now all these drivers get a card so now based on this the company is actually building 
data on how fast the driver is moving from one toll to the second toll. So they're able to build analytics on how much, what is the speed that the driver is driving at? What is, did he sleep at night or not? What is the sleep cycle of the driver? They're able to then also give out real-time tracking data to their customers as to where the shipment is. And all of this based on a single transaction, you can imagine, right? Like every toll and all of that. And then they give these cards to these drivers for them to spend on and they lock these cards only for food and fuel. So they, uh, and if there's ever an emergency money that's needed, in real time, they could just lock the click of a button say, okay, it's driver co, give 10,000 rupees. So this driver can then go to a nearby ATM and withdraw 10,000. Otherwise, he, that card was useless from a withdrawal point of view. So this turn off, turn on, real time automation that we provided is actually helping them in a in those corner cases where they would find it very difficult to serve those or enable these platform, these truck drivers to do to completing their jobs. So all of that is now being possible with the platform that we provided them. What kind of revenue run rate are you at currently? What do you expect it to hit? What are the metrics you track for this? So we've so far hit almost 130 million transaction level, which resulted into a revenue of about 1.8 million or so, so far. And uh, we are hopeful of hitting almost $800 million run rate by, I think, September of this year. And uh, in five years, we are looking to hit about $30 billion in transaction and almost uh, $60 million in revenue. And this year, by the end of, by the end of this, by the end of financial year 23, we are hopeful of touching almost, uh, almost uh, $10 million revenue run rate. This GTV gross transaction value, that determines how much you learn because you learn like a percentage of that. And that's the beautiful part, right? We are actually in the business of giving revenue to end, uh, in these are companies, not taking revenue from them. We actually share a large part of the interchange that we make. And large means uh, the largest chunk goes to them. We barely keep anything. But it's all about scale. Once we're able to build that kind of scale and that kind of comfort with the clients, the money will follow. They'll be happily, they'll be happy in giving you those funds. And now we're being approached by the networks who want to promote this because they're all want, interested in promoting this use case, right? The more and more cards are there, the more and more spend can happen on that platform. So we're actually seeing a lot of flashing coming in from there. A lot of uh, networks supporting us, Rupee is supporting us, Visa is supporting us tremendously in building these programs. Now, FIS, for instance, I told you about the global opportunity of the company, right? So FIS has actually taken, taken uh, we are now going to Middle East and we are in the, on the verge of closing two large banks there. And there is a barrage of fintech companies and tech companies there that are waiting. And the economics there are better. Okay. And you're like bootstrapped? Have you raised funds? Until November this year, we were completely bootstrapped. So I had personally put in five to six million dollars of my own, of both Priyanka and I put in our own capital. And we are again from those same mentality as you were speaking before. We wanted to make sure that we are in that position to scale and use the funds in the right direction. And it was only around November or maybe the second half, around September that we realized that we wanted to raise some capital. And we were getting a lot of interest from a lot of ways. But we then wanted to do a privilege round for a couple of very good angels that will be able to help us build this business, scale this business. It, like they would be able to add value in a real sense. And this was the only time... People with knowledge, network. Exactly. So only people that would be able to then open doors for us or explain who've already built and scaled systems themselves. So we have founders of almost... We did a privilege round of about $3 million. We actually wanted to do only $500,000. But such cool people wanted to come on board. So we took about $3 million. And it was the only round that we could get individuals on board. And these were people that have supported us through thick and thin. Then we've known them for a while. Some we've we just recently met, but were great people who've done been there, done that. So, you know, we have Shamir Karkal from Sinda Money. We have Paul Liang from Lithic. It's a company that exactly what we do in India, they're doing in America. Lithic, the founder of that, Charlie, uh, you know, he was in the founding team of Robin Hood. We have the founders of Licious from India. We have the, um, uh, we had a couple of um, people from the private equity space. In India, we have the founder of DSG fund, Deepak Shadatpuri. He's invested. We have Fez, who's the investment manager for the Sovereign Wealth Fund of the UAE. He's invested. Then Ali, who's one of the hottest startups in the US right now, Stonks. They're again a fundraising startup that we're changing. I think uh, A16Z just invested in them. And he's a big proponent and he helped us. We were actually part of his second cohort. So Strong's actually does what we do. Sorry, actually helps startups raise money completely on a digital platform. And they built an amazing product there and a huge pool of investors that had come on board there. So we were actually the second cohort to have pitched there. And we got a lot of access from there. We have some amazing people we met through there and who are helping us build and scale our product. And 
So we did not want to say no to these people. In fact, we initially thought we'll raise 500,000. We were anyways on track to becoming very well. We were doing very well. So we thought, Chalo, we can do a quick round after that. Now we had some runway. So we're now doing things. We got, we increased our team. Obviously no marketing spend that we're not into. We don't do that. It's because it's a B2B. Yeah. And there's a lot of inbound that's coming to us. Uh, we're looking to build more. We're looking to tell our stories and depth like like with you because this is a complicated industry but we're doing something that can change that can change your lives in that way and so it's only when we kind of get in depth and can somebody understand what we do so therefore we're now looking to start a fundraise in a couple of weeks time and we're getting a lot of interest already getting a yeah like a series a lot of interest is already coming through the top tier funds so we're looking to do that now as a okay okay probably like what 30 40 million kind of around i'm guessing North of 20, I would say, but happy to, we let the markets decide how things are going. I guess the only direct competitor you have would be like an M2P fintech. I don't think there's anybody else who's doing exactly this. M2P is the only um, other fintech that is doing, trying to do what we do. And they've been in this space, yes. Yeah. Is there any difference between your focus and their focus? Uh, like- no, M2P, I think we is building the entire engine per se themselves while uh, what we've uh, we're not getting into processing like i explained yeah we are going in depth with our customers we are actually value adding on those sides of things we are allowing them to use our licenses so we also have an nbfc license for uh, companies that want to lend so we are actually giving their entire tech solution to companies that want to just start and do something with our life we have a ready set of licenses banks and network partners and processors that the fintechs or companies can pick and choose from depending on what they need from us on as part of this. So essentially, your focus is enabling the go-to-market. Yeah, so enabling and making sure that they're able to scale in a very systematic way. We are not primarily in that zone of doing everything we can, possibly. And we do not want to just touch someone. No, we believe in creating value that is irreplaceable to the end customer. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in, that is T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M dot I-N for a complete list of all our shows.